Welcome back, everyone, to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Scott of VectorSigma.info. And Scott, we missed a week, but despite that, I'm still running on like two hours of sleep. So we're going to see if my my bloodshot and dried out eyes can make it through staring at the light right by my webcam. See how this does. Uh, Because... There were some there were some fun things that I was able to do last night. We have I have an interview or was interviewed by Stefan, and uh, I'm not sure exactly when that's going to come out on his channel. But spoiler alert for everybody: be on the lookout for that. Uh, and then, well, we didn't finish that late. It was just a matter of insomnia; just couldn't sleep. It happens sometimes. Um, but it had to be at least an hour or so because that's the way his always go. So yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we're back and. We had some semi-TCG-related spoilers that came out. Um, And when I say semi, it's for everybody out there who's unaware, you probably already know by the time this goes live, uh, at least of the spoilers, and we'll get into why you're probably not going to get the the real deal for a while, but a a very, very fuzzy picture of of the War for Cybertron trilogy, it's a poster, called Kingdom, which presumably is one of the three stories in the upcoming War for Cybertron series, and it has, spoiler alert for everybody out there, so if you want to skip ahead, go ahead, a whole lot of Beast Wars stuff, which, where it ties to the TCG community, a lot of people have been asking for Beast Wars, basically since the game's inception, and the Wizards of the Coast team has kind of danced around the subject. I distinctly recall asking Drew about it, and it was just vague thoughts because it was now years ago, one of our first interviews with him. And he, it sounded as though that they didn't want to do standalone Beast Wars stuff. They wanted to integrate it with other Transformers-related stuff for a given set. So, Scott, as our resident Beast Wars aficionado and expert, oh, yeah. <laughs> what are, are you... Does this excite you? I mean, we're obviously talking about something that's probably two years away or a year, a year and a half away at this stage minimum. Yeah, I would think like a year and a half mm. from the, from a TCG perspective. I mean, I I was too old for Beast Wars. Um, I don't like the animation style, um, right. but I've heard the, but I've heard the stories are good. Yes, um, I just can't get past that computer animation style. It's at this point in time, it would be gracious to say it's an eyesore i think <laughs> like it's dated i guess right oh it yeah and the beast wars fans out there i i know there are a number of you even listening to this podcast or watching this podcast that is not in any way meant as an insult but i think we can all take a step back and see the forest for the trees and go maybe 90s early computer animation is not the greatest i mean i don't like prime either i, I just don't like computer animation that much i mean like I'm yeah gonna, i know the new stuff is kind of hybrid-y yeah animation, animation but like you know i just don't like the that boxy i don't know computer animation for lack of a better term i'm just old school yeah. no i can get behind that now aside from beast wars there is something that may interest you because somebody on twitter who i i saw it retweeted a bunch of times so i'm not sure who originally did this and I I don't have it up on screen I realized not the thing I'm about to talk about but the poster which I guess doesn't really matter because it's gonna it was blurry as could be to begin with and then by the time this renders and comes out you're gonna be able to see prime 
and that's probably mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> like you, you make out Optimus Primal, Optimus Prime, maybe Dinobot, but there are a number of characters that if you if you squint just right, you can make them out. Obviously, your usual Beast Wars cast, all the Maximals or the major Maximals: Cheetor, Rat Trap, Tigatron, uh, Air Razor, Dinobot. It looks like RC is kind of lurking in the background. There's a, something that's Megatron-esque that also seems to split and be Galvatron. Uh, so I'm very curious. How could, you tell that? How could you tell that? If you, it's one of those, like, you really got to squint. But it's also the <laughs> okay. way, if you look at it, the way the, the lines, so in the center are what I'm assuming, and this, I guess, is a somewhat Beast Wars spoiler, but the, the golden discs, it's a, disc it's, things, yeah. yeah, it's a major part of one of the story arcs. And it kind of looks like it's splitting the face, and you can see by where the the forehead part of the helmet would be for Megatron and Galvatron that it's a little bit different uh, on the left and right side. So it's one okay. of those like if you're looking at the face, it kind of mushes together with the bl- blurriness, but then if you pick out certain aspects, it starts to split up. Uh, other cool things that are in there aside from the characters, like the Nemesis, the Decepticon ship is on there. So I'm very yeah. curious where this will end up in the uh, in the TCG. But again, like you said, we're probably looking 18 months out. So we'll worry about the first the two sets in between before we even get there. Yeah, like, who's the dude to the top? Like, to, like who, I don't, can't recognize any of the things to, like, the that are around those discs at all. So on the, the left side, like us looking at it, our left... The person who pointed out is saying that looks like Rhinox, one of the Maximals, repairing something. To the right, it looks like Dinobot. And above Dinobot is probably Scorponok and Black Arachnia. And they're claiming oh, that they, yeah. they're claiming they can see Terrorsaur and Beast Wars Megatron in the top right. That's too mushy for me. I can't tell. The dragon uh, thing? Yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be a... I mean, it could be one... I think Megatron does end up becoming a dragon sort of thing later yeah. on. But he starts out as a T-Rex, so some big mm-hmm. reptilian thing with, with big teeth. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's it's tough to, to make it out. I'm sh- now, Besides the 18 months out, I don't... There's This got spoiled today, recording on Thursday. And mm-hmm. a lot of people were thinking that, oh, well, tomorrow is one of the ha- Hasbro uh, fan... Friday's things that they're doing in lieu of the fact that, you know, SDCC and all this stuff got canceled. Uh, I agree with a lot of people that were also saying this is more likely to show up at the virtual New York Comic Con thing or whatever equivalent it is. Like a couple months from now or further down the line, it feels a little early and these these Fan Friday things are typically toy focused anyway. And if this is a toy line for 18 months from now, I don't think they're going to officially preview it just yet. Yeah, I don't even know. Well, you don't think the toy line's going to come out for eighteen months either, let alone the card set. You're saying? Well, the the one that would have this in it, because there's going to be multiple oh. waves of you know the initial Earthrise stuff. Then, if there's a toy line specific, well, there is a toy line specifically for War for Cybertron. If this is the third part of the trilogy, yeah. you still got to get through the first two. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah we don't know, the, and we don't know the story. It seems like it seems like it's not like solely these characters, like. Obviously, Optimus and Optimus Prime are there and things like right. that. It looks like they're just, like, there. Now, know. it's also a movie poster, too, so there's yeah. only so much you can read into it where it's, yeah, there's Optimus and Optimus Primal, or assuming that it's Megatron and Galvatron, 
it's very easy to jump to the conclusion, oh, well, Megatron and Galvatron are going to be independent, but this could also just be a movie poster. And Well, there's a, yeah. it's, it's like the box art, right? Like, yeah. with the, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. So there, while we can infer some things, oh, people aren't jumping too far into the conclusions. Oh, SDCC, uh, Cameron in chat is saying SDCC home, at home is next week. So there is an opportunity that we're going to get some news there, too. I, I, don't know, I don't know what their companies are actually going to do with all that. I mean, like, yeah, there's been there's been multiple conventions online. I haven't paid attention to Olick. So. Yeah, I mean, I could see the argument for coinciding an announcement with it, where I guess there's quote unquote enough buzz around mm-hmm. similar subjects that people would be actively looking for news, um, just to try and make the best of the situation. So there's mm-hmm. an opportunity there, both for this, but also just general TCG news, we typically do get something at SDCC, whether mm-hmm. it's an actual convention pack or news or realistically both. Uh, probably only one of these, one of those is going to happen this year, but we'll, we'll see. I don't know how it's going to work at all. So. Yeah, I yeah. mean, maybe they could do something hypothetically through Hasbro Pulse and or mm-hmm. other online retailers, but uh, yeah. maybe we'll get lucky. By the time this goes live, we'll have some more exciting stuff on that front, but uh, anything else you want to add about Kingdom, real quick, Scott, because this there wasn't very much to this, but I thought it was cool enough to put up. Yeah, the other the cool thing I saw today was some what Quinnison Judge. That was actually the, the toy thing yeah. about the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was funny yeah. that we just did. Uh, well, that the is movie thing. Is that live yet? The movie no. thing. Okay, SD, so. SD. it's being heavily uh, not edited, but like enhanced. I guess you could say. You know, gotcha. Like, with splice ends and things like that. So but it's it, gonna take more editing and post production. More post production. How's that? That's it. More that that sounds much more professional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh yeah, it is cool that that just came out. Um I'm very excited that a lot of those characters are getting toys. It kind of sucks to be Kranics all over again, but yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do? It's cool that there is one though. Yeah, yeah. He's I I saw a number of people that are saying, Man, this guy just gets treated like a chump all the time, his first actual toy and the the promo picture they have is the shark decon eating him, but mm-hmm. <laughs> he could I, um he could transform in the comic, but I, I don't think the the little toy can transform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh it's cool that it's it's coming out like that. Like I do appreciate it. Obviously, this I saw some of the box art, and it is very much that scene in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very curious, both TCG and general Transformers wise, how much they're going to push the Quintessons in general because it's a it's one of those season three things, and although they were made it into the movie, so even if you didn't like season three, you would have had a taste of them before that, so people may not be in general as down on them, but if they make their way more to the forefront, I'm curious how people are going to react. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. They aren't quite Transformers, I guess. <laughs> you could have, like, the combiner type cards and you could have, have them like swapping in for the different faces, but I'm not sure how flips would work with them if they made it to the game. I'm not really, from what I understood, it's, I don't know. I don't know much about the lore. I don't, I don't, I think it's, I don't know if it's an aesthetic thing or like, like a personality thing. I never really understood that either, but I don't, didn't, this is one of the many things I don't really understand what goes <laughs> on. I don't know if it's ever been explained, but I know some stuff has, but they are, as they show up in different continuities, they, they take on different, forms so like it, yeah. it just like everything else and when we talked in one of our other interviews that the personalities do tend to shift mm-hmm. continuity to continuity but mm-hmm. uh not just from face to face but anyway 
<laughs> we'll uh, we'll move on from Kingdom and actually talk about the Alpha Trion constructed event that's coming up. And by the time this goes live, folks, if you're watching this on YouTube or well, if you're not watching this on Twitch right this second, <laughs> round one is probably already completed at this point. But uh, we're gonna do a time capsule sort of thing and talk a little bit about what we expect to see there maybe make some predictions about what's going on um scott let, let's set the stage as of right now we have what 30 competitors or so no i think it's i think it's 33 actually oh wow all right cool and that's so, without without you or dan playing and there's mm-hmm. someone else that we're waiting for them to confirm like they signed up but they haven't responded yet so i'm gotcha. waiting for them to sign it they, they i think that person would be the 33rd nice. I can tell. so we're growing yeah. which is awesome and it's mm-hmm. when we had talked about this offline for what we were going to do for the show to me it was very much this is the i mean we had our constructed pre-tma event pre-titan mm-hmm. masters yep this is the first big one big event to me that we're that is happening for this set there have been other mm-hmm. online events but this is presumably going to be the largest based on what you're saying and now that people have had time to digest the set they've seen the other events that have happened we've done a number of shows ourselves there's been a lot of uh, a lot of content created by everybody for this set people are going in a lot more educated a lot more informed and it's going to be a different thing than way back when and when it was just oh this seems like the new hotness let's try this yeah yeah i would agree so let me ask you the obvious, Scott. Do you foresee that this is, or we'll talk general field before we break it down to what we think is actually going to perform well, because those are generally, not necessarily, but often two different things. Mm-hmm. Do you think the general field is going to be very aggressive or controlish, or where do you see that playing out? Oh, I think the general field will be much more aggressive. Um, I think, I think this event presents some uniqueness to it um and, and some of it's surprising like like the prizes for the individual events are still very good but there are eight players already qualified for the invitational so i know some of them are like oh, i'll just play whatever mm-hmm. or i or i can't even play and things like that so i think that wrinkle like might cause things to be a little bit more wide open than usual because it's not like there are certain players that like how they finish in this may not affect everything in the future if that makes any sense i know some people are just seem more concerned about that for some reason so gotcha yeah it it's as you said since a number of people are already qualified it is going to skew things but by the same token we've seen in because it, it's very I'm stuttering a little bit, but mm-hmm. a lot of what you had described on past shows about how both this event is structured and how it's going to be going forward mm-hmm. is similar to the Gen Cons and Origins from last year. So you could, in those events, if you queued for the main event, the the elimination rounds, we'll call it, you could still play in the other ones. And a lot of people, yeah, some did end up them playing I guess, less stressful things or just for funsies, mm-hmm. just for the sake of playing. I think there were a number of people that still went in and said, no, I'm I'm playing the deck that I think is best or I'm still trying to, to finish well anyway. Right. So I expect right. even the individuals that are already qualified are still going to be going in with the cutthroat attitude. Yeah, I mean, I am. 
Yeah. So <laughs> I did not expect any different. I don't think anybody else should have. Um, so it's it's definitely going to be interesting from that aspect to see if some people, you know, did they have a secondary deck that, you know, oh, this definitely would have done well if I hadn't qualified, but now I'm going to come in with this other thing that might be tier two or I just want to try it out for the sake of it. But I agree with you that the, I expect the field is going to be much more aggressive, but talking mm-hmm. specifics, I anticipate there's going to be a, probably a large quantity of Sky Shadow X, and that could be the standard horrible, that could be uh, Perceptor, that could be a number of different variables because the power of Sky Shadow as the combiner is, I want to say undisputed, I don't know if that's necessarily the word I'm looking for, but it, it's difficult to contest that beyond sky shadow builds though i personally expect a bunch of quake it has been the the talk of the town as of late uh, to many people's chagrin that they they just hate that particular card um or character transform or whatever other than those two obvious ones what else do you expect is going to fill out the rest of the field scott do you think there's going to be things taking huge percentages or is it going to be like a wide swath of various mixes um, I guess it depends on like what we consider to be like different archetypes. So, um, like there's there's control and aggressive sky shadow variants, and then there's like I, I think the horrible one is the best of them. Mm. has has the most synergy from an aggressive perspective. Um, I've never actually tried it on a control perspective, but I've heard even that works. Yeah. Um, on on a by a similar way. Um the perceptor one matters you know works as well so like there's different variants of that that you can go into windsweeper variants like you know insert 10 drop here type of thing and i'm not really sure i'm not positive how much the decks change when you when you do some of those things mm-hmm. so if we have them all as their own category I, I i think there's going to be a lot of them but i'm not positive that like they're all the same like some of them could be aggro, some of them could be control. Um, I think there will be the like like to me the Quake deck. There's different versions of that also. So there's like the combo version with like, I mean basically it's just based around Rumble and doing extra damage and like using all the like I still function involuntary promotion type effects to continuously play him over and over again and just get extra value out of your guys getting right. self KO'd. Um, and you know, peace or tyranny and things like that. Then there's the the all Titan Master version, which I believe we will see other decks like that that are just heavily Titan Master focused, mm-hmm. but not necessarily Quake decks also. So like I would consider the Quake decks to be specifically obviously Quake decks. But to be to but to be honest with you, I'm not sure the battle decks really are that much different than insert aggro deck here. That's you fair. Know, like, I mean, yeah. Other than like things like they play erratic, erratic grenade more often than usual, or they play like, um, you know, they may have a hor- um Depending on whether they want to focus on the horrible ability, they may have a, a higher, you know, black black pip count and things like yes. that. But in, but in general, like they share most of the battle deck with most of the same uh, aggressive decks out there. Which hasn't been, I mean, that's, this is more of a, a sidestep, but mm-hmm. that has kind of been true throughout the history of the game where yeah. the, the, oper, or the optimal, 
I don't know why I was going to say opportune, but optimal <laughs> aggressive list is often kind of cemented. You know, it's mm-hmm. you play these orange cards, well now orange black cards and or you know smattering of other black cards, null pips, whatever. But the the within say three to five cards, it's all mostly identical because they're the yeah, most we- efficient options. Yeah, we talked about this in the past, but uh, I'll reiterate it again. Like, I, I although I do think there is room to change that now because I think like you know there's different variants along whether or not you want to focus on bold or whether or not you want to focus on, um, uh, like straight, uh, buffs like numbered buffs. I guess you would call them like straight just numbers. Um, basically like your supercharged versus your reckless charge type of argument. Yeah. Um, and then. So there's that argument, and then and then the other thing is, there is some variance there. But the thing with what we talked about in the past with aggro decks is like, you really don't have the time. Like like you are limited, hmm. you are clearly l- limited in the number of attacks you want the game to take. Yes, and which which by definition means you're limited to the number of cards you're actually going to see in a in a match, especially when I mean. Especially when number one, you you don't have a huge amount of access to any kind of like card draw in the battle deck that's easy to to use. Um, if you do, you basically have like I mean, it's definitely it's setting you back a lot of times now. If you have to take even a phase off in order to even yeah. to like 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 way back in the day, we used to treasure hunt all the time and things like that. Like I think you're hurting yourself too badly by by taking the time to do things like that. I think that, like you yeah. can get away with like wedge formation or like even maybe a mission briefing here and there but like it, it's it can't be like a, a preponderance of your deck so like you're basically very locked into the cards you're drawing or the greens that you're substituting for as the game goes on so you're so the reason why a lot of aggressive decks look the same is because once it's decided what's most efficient you don't have as many card draw phases to actually like change that like you're kind of stuck with whatever you draw every single turn and hope that you make the most efficient plays that you can and there just isn't a lot of room for for change because you basically need redundancy okay if i didn't draw um this plus three weapon i drew this other one instead and so like it's all a lot of the same things over and over again because you basically only have so many turns to actually make an impact because if you take too long, then the the more controlling deck will probably just outlast you. Right. Yeah, the, the redundancy factor definitely is a major component. I definitely agree with you there. And we've kind of seen it just evolve over time as new sets have come out, new cards have come out. It's just interesting right. that as we are getting more efficient and powerful bots, so a lot of mm-hmm. power now is... is even more so front-loaded. They're not just guys that turn sideways. Horrible right. does a whole bunch of things. The interactions with Sky Shadow or the interactions with Quake are a whole bunch of more things, even if ultimately it's, yes, I'm doing damage, and it's still focusing on that aspect of the game. It's still doing it in a different way outside of the combat step. So it's interesting that yeah. while we are pushing so much extra power into the bots that it it doesn't free up those other phases. I, it almost accelerates it because it's, well, they're so much more dangerous, so it actually sucks some of the flexibility out of the other phases of the game mm-hmm. because you have to, in, like, your opponent's doing just as powerful things as you are, and you have to make sure you keep pace. Yeah, and when you factor Titan Masters into it as well, um, like, if you don't have ways of taking them out outside of combat, you're giving your opponent 
like another entire turn yeah. out of and we've seen that and we've seen this in the past like obviously we've seen this with like the wider aggro decks of the past it doesn't really matter who you're attacking with as long as you're attacking with anybody that has like built in two or three power it's going to be like seven eight or nine when it's all said and done so like, exactly. like especially if you have card plays which due to this mechanic you do often so like there's never really a time where you're like just you they can just you can just chill and like let them do whatever like you have to have a plan for all these things and it just it just presents a lot of difficult ways for other decks to combat it but it doesn't mean it's impossible it's just different exactly so we we waxed philosophical for a while on the the um like I said kind of a a sidestep from the original discussion mm-hmm. but I think it's it's relevant to determining what you're going to anticipate seeing in well this particular event and and fighting through the Swiss stage into the elimination rounds both for this event and you know ultimately in the championship. So we talked about the the big silos of the sky shadow stuff, the mm-hmm. quake stuff. Uh, arbitrary other aggro things, I guess, because there will be, of course, whether it's it's Windsweeper, it's other Titan Masters, because you have your Fangry options, potentially Clobber options, potentially mm-hmm. other aggressive decks. Um, do you feel that it's? I mean, there have to be blue things. Is there? What do you expect mm-hmm. on the blue side that's going to show up? Uh, Perceptor, Perceptor, Baseless. Mm-hmm. Are probably the easiest ones, and then the most efficient ones to, to move enough, forward. Given how hard Perceptor could make the game for people, <laughs> yeah. Um, I just don't. I don't think that right now there's another way to not be that rude. I mean, I've tried. Um, I've tried redoing galaxy lists. I've tried redoing like the the big middle small character, like the thirteen drop, the fourteen drop. They're just not as efficient as having. Um, a bunch Six of guys. solid, yeah, <laughs> like or like a bunch of solid mid-range attackers, yeah, yeah, like those strategies. Um, so uh, I think that's what's going to show up because you just the power level out of out of the cards, the characters that exist now is just it's just it's not that it's equal to the larger characters. It's just that it's more efficient to get multiples of them in play and being able to use them at once than it is to focus all on one character. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't think the I don't think the focusing on one character like works anymore as efficiently that I found. Um, I mean, it logically, makes, yeah, it logically makes sense given the popularity and the power level because those can be two different things of the decks we already talked about. Going all in on that singular large character becomes a dangerous proposition because all three of the characters on the other side of the board are a threat. It's not just mm-hmm. any given one, and I was talking to Stefan the other night, as I mentioned earlier, and we talked a little bit about Metroplex, and this may be abstracting the discussion a little bit, but sure. you'll understand where this is going. The, one mm-hmm. of the biggest threats to Metroplex is you beat up on blue decks, but aggressive decks are problems. Specifically, what aggressive decks? Well, ones that are reasonably sized, where they might soak mm-hmm. a hit of Metroplex and then sure. can dish it back out. And I feel like that is a similar situation when we're looking at say galaxy or the 13 drops or shockwave or Mm -hmm. any of the ones you were referring to where it's not just simply oh i need to ensure that this wheel turn where my guy is exposed their biggest character can't hit me or Mm -hmm. you know whatever blowout play they have i can nullify it by a secret action you know 
dealing with their guy, blocking appropriately, whatever. In this case, it's, no, you're probably going to get hammered twice as many times because all of the characters are a threat, maybe more than twice as many because of weird interactions with Titan Masters. Yeah, it's it's very hard to... It's it's hard to both simultaneously protect your main attacker, like main character, and actually use them like effectively to to win. Yeah. Um, in a Titan Master world, because like let's say you, let's just say first of all, the, a lot of the characters have like double digit hit points at this point. So like even a even a character like a uh, Galaxy that starts at eight mm. usually is like at you know ten or eleven before it flips and things like that. But you know maybe is like a 12 max in an attack that's not going to take out like uh an 11 def- 11 hit point two defense character like fangry exactly and yeah. even if you did when that when the head pops off again like you have to have a very good hand in order to deal with that head or else like they're getting a whole nother turn out of the deal right and so, so like if you if you're swinging with three power guys and like and i'm just this is not like a fangry bill but like if if somebody like a cracks you know, flips off, it's possible you don't actually don't KO him with like, you know, a night racer or like a sky a skydive or like a uh, like a like a flame war. Like and that character didn't wasn't actually one of the ones that you were even seeing in play yeah. before that. So like I just feel like you have to you have to get use out of every single one of your attack phases as best as possible. And then like the sitting back and defending just no longer like just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. We're definitely um, in the the best defense is a really strong offense sort of phase. Yeah, I think you need. To, I think I think aggro control is where you where where control decks need to be, and I've been saying this for like three months now. Yeah. Um, you know, even before the results have bared that out. So, um, that's where I think like most. That's where I think the other builds will come into play. It's just whether or not people are willing to explore um, other characters that they haven't used before, or are going to stick to the what they've what they've used before. Gotcha. Before we move on to where we think some of these things are going to play out or other comments on it, uh, Cameron actually had an interesting question in chat. Uh, what sort of power level would a 13-star character have to be to compete with these sort of characters, the the efficient ones that we're discussing? And to be honest, I do, you could easily, for me, throw out, oh, well, it needs to be not Galaxy Prime stats, but somewhere between Shockwave and Galaxy Prime, which would just be the escalating arms race. And I don't know that that would even necessarily address the issue because now it's a 13 star aggressive character, hypothetically, if it just has inflated stats. Uh, I would think you would need some sort of side grade mechanics similar to the Titan master thing where it, it somehow behooves you to play that defensive role. Do you think the same thing, Scott, or do you think it needs to go a different direction for that? Um, it would depend on the partners that you were able to place with them. The the main issue that I have with a lot of these characters is, uh, it's a flip density thing. Yeah. And I, I, I have a whole article outlined about how flip density has changed so much since, um, since, since like it, I created it back in wave one. Mm-hmm. Um, and having that main character be the only, the problem with the large drops is they are typically the only character you want to be flipping back and forth. And if they get KO'd... Um, it's a huge downgrade, even on, it, on top of everything else. You just have nothing to do. Right. 
and 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 like even as your other characters start to get KO'd, which is a lot easier now, like th- using them as meat shields, your flip sequence becomes very awkward. And the, I think I think what needs to happen now for large characters to exist in a world is they need to have a flip to alt mode ability that's powerful and a flip to bot mode like ability that does something. Mm. Like like the the biggest examples I can think of this or the Megatron and the Optimus. So uh, like when I say these things, it's obvious that the designers of the game understand this mm. because because those characters have powerful flips on both on both of those. Like the Megatron can sit there. I mean, I don't know how they're not they're not the best characters in the world, but like they fit this description of something they can do in both modes that's that's efficient and moves the game forward. Well, in as much as Optimus and his healing moves the game forward, but you know what I mean? Like it does something. Oh, you're um, referring to the new Optimus. When you said Optimus. that, I was like, Hmm, there's like eight of them. I don't know. Which no, one no, no, the, the new one, yeah. like, like galaxy is a good example of that. It's just that the five drops just do nothing. Like absolutely nothing. And yeah. so like, and, and, and like in this world where the aggressive characters are, and, and this was always the case. Like, what, the, the thing to understand is this was always the case. Three-wide aggro was always very powerful against three-wide control because the characters themselves were were able to withstand the hit. It was the wide aggro that the that the control decks were very good against because yes. you swing with your main character and KO someone. You swing with your main character and KO someone. And it was over. But here... Now, not only are those guys still surviving a hit, just like, you know, the Dinobot decks of old, like they were, not only are those guys surviving a hit, but now you're getting an additional character on top of it, and they're swinging for more damage on top of it. Like, when you add all these factors up, the standard three-wide control just doesn't work anymore, because, not because it's a bad deck, but because what you're trying to fight is specifically a deck, is a deck archetype that it's already, you're weak against. Yeah, you're a dog to that matchup coming into it, so it's tough to actually... If you're fighting uphill to begin with, it, it's not going to be a good time for you. So it's really no different of a theory than it's ever been. Mm. It's just the pendulum has swung as to what is actually popular. Yes, like, and then, and then the sky, like for example, like the sky shadow mechanic is just so awkward that you're like you're not actually ever really KOing guys off the board. <laughs> yeah, like 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 you're turning them into a from a three wide aggro into a two wide, like into a two tall, yeah. like. And, like, you're going from, like, a deck that you were weak against to you're even weaker against. Yeah. Like, like it's just <laughs> not, not like, your case a good situation at all. Like, yeah. you know, like, so... And I think this has already been identified, like, and I just don't think... I don't know that it's been, like, expressed in in this spherical manner. Yes. I mean, I, <laughs> so. I think you're absolutely right that a lot of people coming into this event and even outside just general metagame talk that I think everybody recognizes that and maybe, as you put it, just haven't articulated it. it it's just not been disseminated or talked about in a, a formalized manner. But if you ask anybody, it's like, so what blue deck are you showing up with? And they're going to go, not a blue one. <laughs> not, a, not a blue one. Uh, or, and when people say that, they don't literally mean control decks, but I think everybody's going to exactly what you're describing, the the three-wide Optimus build from way back when and its various successors since then. Uh, it's just not a good time for them, unfortunately. Yeah, so I mean, what I, I what I think those... So but to answer the question, what I think the large characters need is, is just a more powerful flips. Because if you're going to be all in on them in every phase of the game, you need to be all in on them on like 
literally every like everything you do needs to be you need to be gaining advantage like off of every single flip mm-hmm. and you know like there and there's a lot of characters now that like don't see play because of that like i mean i don't see springer decks for example um even though he's still really powerful and things like that so like mm-hmm. i hope that there's i hope there's a lot of room to still um explore some of these things but i i do but i think the I think the 13 cost and above is just prohibitive to what um, the partners you can place with a character to actually get value out of flips. Yeah. Is the main thing for me. Um, I mean, that's, that's yeah. another in way a to speak in a, in a yeah. control deck anyway. I think that's a, a discussion that we may have to circle back to just as yeah. a hypothetical thought exercise because there's a lot mm-hmm. of different ways this could go. Uh, whether it's, you know, as you were saying, kind of improving the focal character, the focus character, or central central character is a better way to put it, uh, versus improving the the ancillary supplemental ones. But as I said before, my concern with doing that is, okay, well, if those guys are that good, can't the aggro decks just use them also and then probably get exactly. better use? Exactly. It's not just the aggro decks. It's just that that character itself would see so much more play because it could fit into so many more different lists that it's almost like, does it matter then who your other character is? Like, you know, this is the this is the power of like Fangry, for example. Yeah. Is like doesn't like if you have barrage, it doesn't need to flip. You basically, I don't want to say like you started the game with extra card in hand. You started the game with extra resource, which is yeah. a flip, and that's the point. Is that like if you don't have to flip in order to get your ability? And you're just as powerful as a card that used to. Like, there's a huge amount of equity there yes. that you gain. And the, I think the large, what do they call them? Like, like the flagship type characters yeah, need yeah. that as well. They need that as well. And it can't just be like I flip to the mode that I want to attack in and defend in, like a jet fire type situation. It needs to be like when I flip to this mode, do X. When I flip back to this mode, do Y. Yeah. Because because I just think that like that. It's not a cost, but like that time you're using to not be able to flip your ancillary characters is powerful. Like this is yeah. why, like I mean, this is like I mean, I've seen about deck lists and they don't have flame war in them, so like there's a reason for that. So mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think the tough is dead is a little bit overrated. I wouldn't run things like sparring gear, but like if I just gave my whole team tough one, it's still not a bad thing. You're still seeing yeah. more cards. You're still probably defending for more in the end. But like, there's still not even any time to do that. Yeah, in, in a lot of decks. It's, so it's funny. One of the first things I thought of when I read the question was, and I'm sure this will be a thing later on. We've seen it with uh, Runabout and Runamuck, where characters interact with other characters' flips, and it would be interesting to see one of these flagship characters lead the charge, sort of thing, and force transforms on the rest of your team. So, like, you flip yeah. character A, and then it forces character B to flip from one mode to the other or to a specific mode or something. Uh, like I said, I'm sure we'll see that mechanic, and off the top of my head, I'm not sure what that would do in general, like, how that would impact things. I think it would be cool, and also, it, it just kind of addresses one of the points you brought up, that the way flip density now has to be handled is so much more precise or has to be so much mm-hmm. more precise than it did in the past. You, you had a little bit of breathing room and now it's now you, everything's on the cutting edge. You're either doing it right or you're, you're in a world yeah. of hurt. So, yeah, I mean, that mean, and, and what that means is 
there there might be room for some of these type master characters because a lot of them have that ability. Mm-hmm. They have very powerful because and the reason is because they're like you can't use escape route, you can't use start your engines, you can't exactly, use hunker yeah. down and things like that. So a lot of them have that. So it's possible to just pair them with a with a larger head and make them into that character is probably more efficient than like stamping thirteen stars on the character. Right, if that makes any sense, like yeah, it, yeah. it just seems like that was built with. That might be the next exploration point, like um, is to go that route. A lot of the problem is like a lot of the characters. I think a lot of the tight masters. I think I'd want to try with that. They just have such pitiful defenses, like like the Skull Smashers of the world. That it's like yeah. unreal. So. I I always keep coming back to Skull Smasher, and as an aside, I wish Skull Smasher and Quake had their abilities flipped, just because I think it would be cool to have the crocodile doing that. But that's <laughs> that's an outside of game thing, but um. I, I yeah, it's Skull Smasher is such a cool ability, but even with say Grax attached to him, is he that sturdy? And I I think the answer is no. Uh, he he still ends up getting snapped in half in basically two attacks, maybe two attacks and a little help from a a horrible over the course of the game or other burn out of hand. It's just some of them are in a tight spot. What are you gonna do? And and again, that that character has no flip back to alt mode. That's of anything to write home about. Yeah. So it's like, well, like, what are you really doing there? It, it, even it, and that was exactly what I was thinking the other day when I had another one of those shower thoughts of, oh, well, what if I did this with Skull Smasher? And then by the time I was dry after the shower, I was like, this ain't gonna work. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. it didn't take that long, but it it was, yeah. He he flips and he stays there. Okay, that means I only need to invest one flip in this guy. Outside of, okay, I want the Pierce against Autobots or something weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the other little characters that I could pair him with? But in order to make him sturdy enough to be able to accomplish goal A, you end up right. limiting the other ones, which, as we were talking about, most of them have virtually irrelevant flips at this point right. in the game's lifespan. Right. So Exactly. It's uh, it's definitely a challenge. It's something that I'm curious what things are going to come down the line. But that's... We're getting way down speculation path, which we started out the show with. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's circle back to this upcoming event, or again, it's probably past round one by this point. So we talked a little <laughs> bit about just what, us talking. Yeah, uh, it's we talked a little bit about what we were expecting to see. Is there before we get into what we think will do well? But is there a a dark horse or something that you're saying people haven't found, especially since it's going to be after round one by the time this goes live? Any secrets that you have in the back of your head, Scott, that somebody's going to show up with and take the tournament by storm? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm playing a slightly different variant that uh, that I've played on stream before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a known quantity as compared to like some the wholesale new archetype. I mean, I think two thirds of the characters are known, but the third third one is different. Okay. Um, and and played around with. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I don't know what people are going to be running. I honestly have been so busy that I haven't really been paying attention to like what a lot of other people have been playing in like what is seemingly practice and things like that. So I'm really not sure. Um, I think there's a couple of people who might be playing like interesting Fortress Maximus builds. So maybe they will. Maybe they will do well. Um, I'm curious to see how they do against. Not in a sea of the orange, they're going to have a rough time. I mean, like, I mean, maybe maybe somebody maybe somebody's ad- adapted in ways that we haven't. Like, that's I hope so. Yeah, because it's something yeah. that uh, both Fort Max and Metroplex. Like I said, I was talking to Stefan about this the other day. They they have known weaknesses. It would be really cool if somebody managed to f- find a way to turn the corner <laughs> against what the standard or what we're assuming the standard field is and. If they have, 
more power to him because that that's going to be really cool to see. But let me ask you this then. Speaking of, I guess, more either Dark Horse strategies or anything, are there any, rather than decks, are there breakout cars, either sideboard or main deck things that you're willing to throw out there that you think people are overlooking or that you're expecting to have a, a big performance here? Uh, supporting fire. I would agree with that one. <laughs> that, that one, um, I actually talked about that one the other night. Yeah. That, I, yeah. I mean, I first noticed it when I was opening the cases for the sealed event. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, you know, this, this is really good. Like to, to get at what you need to get at, like, mm-hmm. A horrible or Turn like anybody a, into a bumblebee <laughs> right a quake and things like that i mean the only downsize it has is if, is if you're running a lot of decks now are just forced to run a lot of and i say blanks but i, I mean like off color i mean an, an orange black is a blank like you know like like a like i mean i'm sorry a, a green black is a blank yes a straight green is a blank well like they don't they're not doing much yeah your combat <laughs> steps get weird when you start getting to these quantities that it's yeah. like it, it used to be you know you run six your your one shall stand your eyes still function mm-hmm. sort of thing and now it's like all right, i suddenly have 15 cards that don't matter in right. combat how did right. that happen right. um but i agree with you supporting fire it i'm very curious to see how many people play it and how many people i mm. uh, use it effectively because as i was mapping things out previously it's how well is this going to do on the draw because obviously on the play you crash into the guy that you want a supporting fire later Mm -hmm. if you're on the draw you don't have that opportunity and does the game extend long enough that post wheel it matters you know well what you do is you get a chance to get at him later with that same character you would maybe get it with him earlier with Right, so you you can do it, or you can do it like right away, and then put them into a position where like, oh, when I attack with this guy, he's just going to get KO'd. Yes. So that's the that's the issue. Right. And obviously, if you, I haven't tried this, but it clearly can be combined with the characters that can already do this, and then you know make a make a serious hurting on your opponent. Oh, um, so you have the like you start with uh, not that it's going to be, but you start with B or Razor Claw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Razor Claw was actually somebody that I had thought about the. Problem is going second. I think he he might just literally die on turn one. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> possible. He only has effective nine health, and if you're not playing blue, like that guy's just dead to a sky shadow attack or something mm-hmm. like that. Like it could be, yeah, yeah. It. I mean, the, even if he lives, it's one of those. All right, well, he's dead next turn because horrible's going to ping him away, sort of thing. But yeah, it's uh, that's a good point. The the combination there. We don't. It's it's not an effect that's very widespread. So it's definitely something mm-hmm. that I'm interested to see. Are people going to use it? And if they use it, are they capitalizing on it? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's move to what you think. We talked about what we think is going to be popular, a few different options that may be sleeper hits, we'll say. What do you think is actually going to carry the day? Maybe not win the overall, or if you think something specific is going to win the overall. It's it's whatever you're playing, right? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm pretty out of practice, so... Uh, uh, I haven't played in a, like a week or two, so I don't. I, I don't even have like my 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 forty is not even figured out yet. So okay. um, I've only finally decided on the character lineup versus another one. So gotcha. Um, I, I think it depends on. I, I I just think the 
I mean, something aggressive, I think, is what's going to take it, just because I think, like, given a world where there's a lot of players that haven't necessarily played on webcam, um, that's part of it. And I think it's just, like, play the thing that's most efficient and it's going to get me through the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other factor is we have a community that's playing in the event that has played in a lot of other events. And so... Um, Given what they've played in other events, I don't know how like quote bored they're going to be in playing the, like we mentioned this before, like like play the same deck over and over again. So like uh, I, I, yeah. I'm not really sure like what, what's going to happen there. Like if I had to guess, like the aggressive Titan Messenger builds, are, I think are what is, what is going to be the most popular to be to play, um, and therefore should be the most highly represented in the elimination rounds. I think it just depends on for some of the players like if they want to play the same thing that they've played before or if they want to try something different. Gotcha. Um, and what's going to happen there with that, I think is going to be the main decision. I think that kind of circles back to one of the earlier points you made about, and maybe it impacts these players more so, the the ones that have already qualified through the existing sealed event. Maybe that decision weighs a little bit differently on those particular players than it does on a the remainder of the field that are still trying to get those invites. Uh, they do have a little bit more of a luxury to rotate out, let's say, Sky Shadow for a, a quirkier build, we'll say. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard for me to say because, like, I don't know what... The, the event I paid the most attention to from a constructed standpoint was the Alpha Trion um, pre-sale event, and I know what everyone played there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't paid enough attention to what every single one of the 32 individuals played in other events. Um, so given what I know about the field, I would say like, I, I think the quake decks are probably going to be the most represented and probably do the best because I think other people might not be prepared as like the most efficient way to deal with them. Yes. Um, and I think what it, I think the problem is, first of all, I think they're well positioned against sky shadow to begin with, because basically yes, I would agree there because the main thing about sky shadow is like AOE it's area of effect for those that don't know. Um, <laughs> um, Man, what's like, that? Can somebody in the year of our Lord 2020 not know what that is? I mean, I guess it's possible. Yeah, it's, anything is possible. But anyway, go ahead. Spread damage, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. um, they're all basically doubled, like once he combines. Yes. So, like one of the one of the main one of the main ways to take him to take out sky shadow is like don't let him attack multiple times when he's combined and if everything you're doing is like your main character takes two takes two takes two as opposed to takes one mm-hmm. um it's just going to be like way more efficient like it um if everything you do like with all these hovercraft like if everything you do is an armed hovercraft yeah. and like you're you're doing like it becomes like a photon bomb to that one character yeah it's just it's just way more efficient and it, it's so, very easy to also set up the Oh, Sky Shadow combines, and oops, he's dead. Because right, you can right. you can just punch the parts independently, and just by the nature of the game, all of the, the AoE effects are spreading it on both of them. Mm-hmm. It racks up very quickly. I agree with you. It's, it, it's not necessarily... Quake is fine on its own, so I don't want to pigeonhole it as the anti-Sky Shadow, but it very much functions in that capacity, just because of the mm-hmm. way the deck plays. Um, from an agro from an agro perspective, I, I totally agree. Yeah, so I I'm definitely with you on there. Where I expect a a large quantity of sky shadow, the deck can just do some really mean things. Mm-hmm. I can see 
Quake eating up all those Sky Shadow decks. Some of the Sky Shadow decks still will squeak through either via pairings or, you know, outplaying their opponent or whatever. There will be then be some Quake representation, presumably fill out two to three Perceptor-esque builds of varying quantities. Yep. Um, I, I want to get you on record to say, oh yeah, this this random Dark Horse character is definitely going to be the, the cornerstone for a deck that makes it, but to be honest, I'm struggling to think of one to be like, Scott, do you think this one's going to make it? So, Scott, is there one that you think is going to make it? <laughs> the, only, the, only, the only thing I know that people are trying is Fortress Maximus, so that would be the one to me that I think people can, if they found a way to make the puzzle work, um, has the best chance to me to come out of quote left field. Um, I don't know if I knew about it. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know of other characters. I think, I, I think Dan actually played against um, an interesting, like six gun base list. Yeah, I did see that, and he um, is on. To be perfectly honest, I. I've been making notes as we've been talking of other things that, like, in the course of the conversation, oh, I should try looking that up on Fort Max and mm. see if I can put together a list. And Six Gun was one that I meant to do all week because I had ideas for it when wave, this wave was just released. Um, I think there's some value in that also because Six Gun has ways to help fight the Sky Shadow menace sort of thing mm. or put a hurt on the quake decks or do unique things so i agree with you there there's a there's potential it's because going second you basically get two card plays which is what you need to be doing mm. a lot of the time against the aggressive decks um even going first you can do some some potentially drop my stylus i guess it's not a pad <laughs> it's whatever it is for the, this uh, erasable pad um it, you get a lot of options because it, it goes back to well I guess extending what you just said, that it affords you plays that you wouldn't ordinarily have on a regular course mm-hmm. turn, whether it's a play on your very first turn, which you wouldn't have, or two on your second, you're probably never going to have them live to to do the three play thing. But right. assuming that ever right. happens, I guess. Assuming it there's first, but yeah. which I would think would be the plan. So Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's just, he's always kind of been in the periphery because I know we were uh, very excited about him in wave three. So, Maybe now's his time to shine. We're very excited about wave. I mean, wave three. Oh yeah. No, he's in wave four, wasn't he? He's in wave four. Was he four? Yeah, he was in wave four. We were very excited about him until they printed sabotage armaments. <laughs> there was that too, sabotage armaments. But <laughs> speaking of sabotage armaments, I mean, with the decline, overall decline of blue. I mean, we're seeing a plethora of end hostilities from everything quite literally <laughs> uh but sabotage armaments is not something that has been showing up with as much regularity just because people make mistakes well i mean it, <laughs> it just doesn't seem to be showing up but maybe that's another uh another check mark for six gun another uh tally in the the plus column we'll say <laughs> yeah i think i think there are certain cards that wax and wane depending on the format of course. Um, in, in terms of their power level. And I think... And it, it, this has existed since the beginning of the game. And I think understanding that um, and playing those cards efficiently is where um, where you're going to come out on top. Like yeah, Examples are like Matrix. Like Matrix was huge in the last meta. Mm. Even in aggressive decks. So like we even had it in the, the Springer 
airstrike patrol deck because you were afforded because the pierce mattered the plus one plus one across the board was relevant to every single character and then obviously in the galaxy side of things i mean it was <laughs> having three of them is pretty good in the mirror <laughs> yeah and it, it was free um it it was it allowed you to turn on the ability even if you wanted to play a different card that you flipped um and things like that so like that was very powerful in wave four's meta did you see any of them see play like except for like a one of randomly here and there since wave one like not really so yeah, yeah. outside of like i just want a double pip card like to actually play it was always like never the best play in a turn yeah it was always the worst upgrade you could play because well you, you could be playing Name it all, oh, right? Right. Um, so, like that to me is an example of a card that, like, you need to under like cards like that. I think where where you need to understand that the power of a wax and wanes, um, cards like reprocess versus dismantle, mm. um, versus ramming speed versus vaporize, etc. Like, I think those decisions are important. Um, counter espionages of the world. Um, like how many of those to play like there's like the whole like we talked about earlier like the supercharged versus reckless charge versus whatever like understanding what you're playing against um i do i also what i'd really like to see out of this event to be honest with you is is good sideboards yeah i would that was on my list to to discuss it's arguably the most difficult part of constructed play kind mm -hmm. of oh, for perennially sure. it, it, yeah just by virtue of the way it is and then also I guess you call it the human tendency to forget about sideboards when you're testing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's always an afterthought, despite the fact that minimum half your games are sideboarded. Minimum. Yeah. It may be the majority of your games are sideboarded because you went to mm -hmm. three every time. Mm -hmm. uh, but people don't ever focus on it enough. I think it. there are a lot of things that are potentially main deckable, but it's... So that supporting fires, I could see those getting run main. But are you running a full set or are you running a few extra in the board and it's okay, I need these to fight these matchups? And right. hostilities is another one that I anticipate is going to be in, or I would expect should be in a lot of sideboards, even out of decks that people, like, well, it's a blue card, why would you play it in an aggro deck? Well, it could turn a combat. Mm -hmm. Those sort totally. of things. Um, I think, and I think given this set, and the emphasis on the set, the the ten cards in your sideboard are way more important than the one character, and I think most of the focus has always been on the character. Absolutely, yeah. And how the deck transforms by having that character beside it in, I think that, first of all, it's not even possible with some decks. Yeah. Like, so, literally impossible, <laughs> so... It, it, or, yes, you could sideboard a character, it's... You're probably downgrading in every right. matchup, it doesn't matter. Like, with the Titan Master mechanic, like, because you can't sub out like you can sub one body for another but like it becomes difficult to sub or like one head for another becomes difficult to do both yes um effect effectively so you're probably like down stars or something like that so like I, I think finding a sideboard character is difficult but i think the 10 card battle deck is just way more important than it has been in the past absolutely um so that's that that's where i really like to see like a bunch of like I'd like to see some innovations there from people and understand yeah. and for people to be able to I think as we go through the event given that um I think you and Dan aren't, aren't going to be playing in it I, I and if you're going to be doing c 
commentary on it. Mm. I'd, I'd like to see that be a focus of the commentary yeah. of like the the t- the chatter and things like that because I think that's where that's where I think this set hasn't necessarily like been explored as much. I would agree. Like, yeah, to understand like how powerful some of these sideboard cards could be. I going in if, if somebody really held my feet to the fire and said you, you know you have to make a prediction on this. Honestly, I think a lot of sideboards are going to be three, 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 one. Yeah, I know to start and going in, obviously it'll be too late for everybody, but whoever's in live chat right now, but I don't think that's really going to be the way you want your sideboard to look. And there's, we mentioned a couple things tonight. There are other ones that I can think of where it's, Oh, well I need a second copy of this because it's a green, but it's important enough that I can run one main and one on the board. Yep. Uh, or you you have to fill out that I need a seventh copy of this effect. Yep. Maybe seven is a lot, but you, you, know, no, no, you no, get no. the point of supplementing it, that it's so crucial that I blow up that utility. It's imperative that I strip this secret action away from them. It, it, it's crucial that this other thing has to be dealt with. So you, you need to have these effects and you really... You had to do the the game ones and enough game ones to figure out, okay, this is the way my deck operates. This is the relationship between my deck and the rest of the meta, specifically these pillars that I'm thinking about. And this is how I'm going to combat them when I'm on the draw, when I'm on the play. How are they, you know, like you said, the lineups often are static, even post-board, because just by virtue mm-hmm. of the way things work out. Right, right. And it's just... You can, I think you can predict those lineups with much more regularity, although I guess, you know, if you examine past metagames, you could probably predict what they're boarding into anyway in a lot of scenarios. But it's, I feel like that part is a little simpler, and now it's a matter of, okay, I need to anticipate how some of these interactions are going to go more so than you did before. Yeah, I agree. Um Ventric saying that his sideboard is currently a lot of one-ofs or a second of a one-of in the main. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're talking about. I I expect those sort of lists will have an advantage by virtue of having that flexibility. Now, it's not to say that you're not going to have a three-of of thing in the board because it happens to be crucial for a certain matchup but not relevant in others or not justifiable in the main deck, but we there's still so much more available in this particular meta for people to explore. Mm-hmm. So I agree. Um, so aside from sideboarding, Scott, do you, are there any other predictions that you have going into the, this night before the event officially starts? No, I don't. Cause I just don't know enough to be honest with you. I haven't played enough. Like it's my own fault, but uh, I just been too busy and I haven't, I haven't, I haven't played in like a couple weeks. So like to me, it just, uh, like I said, I, I think a large portion of the population of this event has played a lot of other events. So I think it comes down to, do they want to play something they've played before? Or do they want to play mm-hmm. something totally different? I think that's going to be the main decision point. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be my the most the thing that I'm most curious about beyond like what you said, where, okay, are people going to be going back to the well for the same thing, is did somebody crack the fortress max code but that's kind of a <laughs> an mm. aside but are there other titan masters body head configurations 
that are relevant and yep. part two, three, four, whatever, whatever number we're on in this sequence of, are there any all-stars from way back when that suddenly showed up? Did somebody figure out Cosmos? I mean, that that's my go-to example. I don't think he's really going to make a big splash, but is there one that suddenly shot up the charts that people have overlooked to this stage? Because a lot of emphasis has rightfully so been placed on the Titan Masters and that whether because of the mechanic or the power level of the cards and characters themselves. But there are still a lot of strong characters in Waves 4, 3, and 2, and 1. So did somebody crack a code with those to be able to make them still viable? Uh, I'm very anxious to see what people have put together and how it shapes up. Yeah, I'd be curious to see if people have figured out like two tall decks and things like that. Like it's something that I have not explored in the least, but like maybe there's an option there. Yeah, and, and stuff like that. So I think I, I I would like to see interesting new things, but I'm not sure how much of that we'll see because I just I don't know to be honest with you. Some of it is a as I've worked through trying to do some of those those weird lists because I always end you know. I said this to Stefan the other day, and I've said it on the show many times. It's one of those, I'll get an idea of a deck in my head, like the six-gun thing, and it just, it, it bugs me until I put it on paper. And then after it's like, all right, well, that's a deck, and then I can move on to the next thing, but I have to get it out of my brain. And I've gone through a lot of these. I, I'm hoping that it's just a matter of, okay, well, this particular character, Skull Smasher, like we were talking about earlier or otherwise, that it's just, I'm blinded to whatever the most appropriate way to play it is but some of them i think just fall by the wayside because they they're just not going to cut it and that's the way it goes in competitive stuff like there's only so many things that you can do or have available as a viable deck in the meta yeah and like even though we have more quote more opportunities to play it's still limited as to like your time is and if if you Like if you haven't gotten to playtest a lot, and this event is going to be a lot of your playtesting, like which it is for me, like uh, you could just totally miss the mark and not really get another opportunity for a while. So yeah, it's one we've talked about this on previous shows where it's mm-hmm. you because you're locked in for so long, you could literally in round one realize, oh, I messed up, mm-hmm. but you're not going to get to correct your mistake for five weeks or right. however long it takes, mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to it's just an it's only an afternoon lost kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So we'll see how that plays out. But I think that kind of does it for the, the preview prediction show. Scott, anything else you wanted to throw in about that or any other upcoming things from the team? Uh, no, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, if you're listening live, I guess there's still opportunity one more day to sign up for the event. Um, depending on how this goes and what the, um, uh, what people's opinion of playing constructed is we will that that'll help us determine what the format of the next event will be so um if you're listening to this there's still an opportunity to to get in like this there's still a lot of important chatter like metagame talk like all the stuff that you would normally get like outside of like just signing up for an event on a monthly basis so um don't feel like you have to not join the chat for all that period of time and things like that that's going on. Um, No, otherwise uh, we have like, we have those interviews that we're working on now, getting them post-production. We are working on our prizes for 
the Invitational and getting them created um, uniquely to the other store credit prizes that we're giving out. Um, a lot of it is just like logistical issues that I'm working through with a lot of the events and a lot of the other stuff that we're working on. Yeah. Um, because it takes a lot to, to get these events going and deal with things and type out rules and stuff. Yeah. So. There's a lot of behind the scene things that people <laughs> yeah. may or may not realize. I mean, yep. a lot of people probably recognize it, but not necessarily the depth, but, mm-hmm. uh, as somebody who can see how, how the, the meat is made behind the scenes, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> but anyway, I think that'll do it for tonight. Everybody. I, uh, if you're, Again, if you're listening live, definitely hit us up. Otherwise, definitely check out the event coverage because we're going to be going through a number of yeah. things for it. And as Scott was mentioning, all the other content, because we are branching out. You've already seen kind of a smattering of that or a small taste recently uh, for some of the other games and other content that we're reaching out towards. So if you want to see mm-hmm. more of that or you you know, you know love the Transformer stuff for whatever reason, definitely check out the other content. But as always, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching and Black Lives Matter.